glad you're here. Welcome to the Mission Manhood Podcast. Today my guest is Voy Viancek, and a couple of times during the episode he said, that was an edge for me. And I was pretty sure I knew what he meant by that, but just to make sure, I sent him a note and he wrote back, for me, the edge is a place where man pushes to his capacity and faces off with his fears. It's where transformation happens. And Voy gave several examples of overcoming some of his foundational wounds and pushing back against some of the cultural norms later in life. And we ended the conversation with him kind of turning the tables on me and asking me some questions. And we had a really open discussion about the relationship between male and female and some of the things that have been taken from us and what it might mean for us to push back and reclaim some of those things. So this was a great vulnerable episode for me and I appreciate Voy's willingness to hold that space and I hope you really enjoy it. Thanks so much for being here. Hello and welcome to the Mission Manhood Podcast. Today my guest is Voy Viancek. Hi Voy. Hi. Hi, Angela. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Very excited to be in this space with you and, and enjoy a beautiful conversation ahead. Yeah, well, it's great for you to be here. We were just talking about, I think you were one of the first people I invited to be a guest on the podcast. And I love how things just work out the way they're supposed to. And for whatever reason, you were meant to be episode 15. And I'm so happy that you finally made it on. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really appreciate you and how you express your gratitude to that. And you didn't feel any resistance to- towards it. You just allowed it to happen. And and here we are. So really thankful yeah. for that as well. I think that's a really great point to bring up right now. I told you before we, we hit the record button that right now on my Instagram page, I'm talking about the lover of the four archetypes of mature masculinity. And what you just said made me think of something that men a lot of times are resistant to hold that space for communication if they're unsure. And that's where I think we get into ghosting or, you know, just reading into a situation. But one thing I appreciate about you, as I said, this started probably in February or March where we were, I offered you the invitation and you were always very good about letting me know I'm interested, but I can't right now. And just for the men out there, whether it's business, relationship, or whatever, I think keeping that communication open, people can handle that so much better than just the silence, that radio silence. That's such an awful feeling. So I appreciate you you doing that. I never had an opportunity to feel bad about it because you always kept me in the loop. Hey, I'm sick right now, or I'm traveling right now, or I can't right now. But I had it in my mind that it would eventually happen. So I felt safe in that. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much. And I, I really appreciate that feedback because it it means a lot. And for me, for a long time, that's that was actually an edge. Um, because communication in, in my family growing up wasn't something that was really prominent in the household. household. Yeah. Um, to start it off, just to give you some, some background, uh, born and raised in Poland, in a super small village with just five homes, and it was called the Village of the Wolves. 
And wow. if you could think about like a beautiful village where like the kids run barefoot and they hang out in the woods and we live kind of off the land, that was mm-hmm. the experience that I had. And the beautiful thing about it is, you know, in that time and space, my father, the way he was raised was essentially like the, the old school kind of masculine way of being, being macho, not expressing emotions, not mm-hmm. expressing feelings and never quite frankly communicating. And because my father, of course, of course, was my role model and he wasn't able to express from what his father passed on, that's something that I picked up as well. So going through my journey, whether it was with business partners growing up, whether it was in relationships or just with friends, I had a very hard time expressing where I was because one, I was a big people pleaser and I didn't want to let people down. And two, I was just afraid to say no, or I was afraid to say, hey, I can't make it right now. I was afraid to just set a healthy boundary because I was essentially afraid of commitment. So it's, yeah. it's funny you brought that up because that for me was a big edge. And I'm happy that the journey that I was on allowed me to now step into this place where I could express how I feel so that the yeah. communication can be open and we can both flourish from it. One thing I wanted to ask you is I notice that to me, you seem to embody this new generation of man who is completely comfortable and confident in your masculinity, but you're also free to dance with the feminine, whether that's in your own heart, the feminine that's there in your own heart, the, the feminine outside of yourself in relationships and, you know, in the greater world, whether that's nature or whatever, but finding that balance and, so to hear you say those were your origins, that is kind of a surprise for me because I wouldn't have guessed that based on how I see you now. Yeah, I appreciate that. And it's uh, the biggest challenge for me essentially wasn't really finding balance because truthfully, Angela, to me, I feel like we really don't find balance in things. Maybe sometimes in life there's like a 50-50, but I think, as you mentioned before, there's a dance, there's a harmony between the two. And growing up for the most part, even though a lot of the time I spent around feminine energy, it almost felt like that was something I couldn't accept because I wasn't seen by my my brothers or my male friends as being like macho enough. Mm -hmm. So I was always trying to either pull away from the feminine and try to step into the masculine And because that was kind of like my driving force and I did step into the masculine for quite some time in high school and in college, I felt like I kind of went over too far into that side. Mm -hmm. My feminine was starting to get shut down. And that's where I actually felt unbalanced or unharmonized. And I didn't have that dance. And it caused a lot of friction in how I move in life, whether it was in business, in relationship, or just with regards to the man in the mirror. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing up that that thing about balance. I've had somebody tell me before, it's not about balance. So I don't know the right way to put it because I feel like as far as energy, when you have a rise on one side, if you don't respond with a rise on the other side, you know, you have a tendency to get out of balance, especially like if you're faced with a rise in that sort of dominant feminine energy, which people get from their mother figure or sometimes their partner, if you can't then rise up to match that and create a balance, then you're Mm going to stay down in your childlike, 
you might retreat into that kind of adolescent rebellion to kind of escape from that. And that's a natural way to respond. But a mature man knows he has to rise up and meet that challenge. And then everything, almost like a pasta pot that's boiling over and you throw some cold water in there and it just settles back down. That's the beauty of rising up to meet that energetic challenge. Yeah, I love that. Now that you expressed it that way and from that perspective, I totally see where you're coming from. And the, uh, the boiling pasta analogy is, is beautiful, a beautiful way to help me visualize that because I never actually looked at it from that way to like meet the different energies in the middle. I always looked at it as more of like a dance or like a harmony between the two because yeah. I feel like sometimes in my life, I have to step more into the masculine and create structure and create more of a, a present kind of being. And that for me, pushes down the feminine and doesn't allow it to express fully like it needs to be because I have to be so like logical and analytical and to the point. Um, and then in certain examples, sometimes I pull deeply away from the masculine. And I like to step more into the feminine and just allow myself to be, allow myself to flow, allow things to, to come to me as opposed to constantly trying to go out yeah. and get. Yeah. One thing that's really important to mention here for, for people listening, because this is so foreign to some men, is once you get to know that feminine within your own heart, the way I express it sometimes is you become a good mother to yourself. And when you do that, you don't have to outsource that. And so you can choose a partner that's healthy and not one that is just meeting your need for a mother. Just like you said, when I can can deepen and do that inventory and see, is that my little child that needs some attention? Where do I need to? Because men get stuck in that sort of being the Lord of the earth. They're going to dominate. They're going to be successful. And they forget that they have these little parts that need love and nurture and care. And if you can learn to do that for yourself, you don't have to outsource it to someone else. And you can keep your other relationships healthy as well. I love that you described it in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I really appreciate you bringing in the the piece about how masculinity is is now looking or how it's it's been heading for quite some time. And I think for me in the space that I was in and the paradigm that I was brought into was that masculinity needed to be this like performance obsessed, like the success driven, this kind of like go, go, go mentality. It's like a doggy kind of dog world. And it took away from the far, the fact that there is a little a little boy inside of me. It took away from the fact that this little boy does need the mothering piece, does need the love. And it's not just about being macho. It's not just about performance, not just about success. It's more about how can I actually guide? How can I actually initiate? How can I actually mentor this little boy inside of me so he could get all these needs met yeah. from me, as opposed to, as you mentioned, outsourcing it to the world. Yeah, I was just thinking about something that I saw that you wrote that goes right along with that. And you said, we're trapped in a paradigm that blocks our joy. And mm -hmm. we are always afraid that our masculinity is going to be judged. And you had written some unspoken rules of manhood that I'm going to read. And then you can comment if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. In this post, you said, will you break the rules or let the rules break you? For years, I followed the unspoken rules of manhood, rules like, I don't need support. I got this myself. It's a dog-eat-dog dog kind of world. My emotions aren't the problem. 
money is my value. Those are like you were saying, some of the old, the old paradigm. And when you can't get in touch with that other side, you do, as you said, block joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and all those things, the, the beautiful things about it that you just mentioned, like the money, the success. Yes, it's granted, we do need the, these things to move through this kind of world that we're currently in. However, I feel like a lot of the times, because the intention is just to be successful or the intention is only to make money, the driving energy really comes from the ego as opposed to the soul. And to me, when that comes through, a lot of people actually don't bring reverence to the earth, don't bring reverence to their community, don't bring reverence to service. It's just about transaction. And that's what I I see in a lot of speaking from a business perspective and a lot of businesses where men step into this kind of role of just, hey, I need to perform. I need to be successful because I feel that I'm not seen by the world. So I'm going to build a business or I'm going to make a shit ton of money or I'm going to have a nice car so that for a moment somebody can see me as worthy. And when people fall into this paradigm and this trap, it takes away from being a king and it steps more into just being selfish. Mm. That's really beautiful the way you put that. And I, I love that word transaction. I feel like so much of our life is reduced to that. The way we have to have more stuff, the way even people make love now, it's very little making love. It's, you know, I deserve, or it's your duty or I need. And it's Mm -hmm. not so much about that divine dance where you're really seeking another person to nourish your own soul. And you have that moment of beautiful intimacy where you both leave refreshed and renewed and rejuvenated. And I think a lot of people fall in that trap, like you said, that blocks your joy because you're so outer focused. You forget to to nurture that inner inner life as well. Yeah, beautifully put. And and to me, to that, you know, just working with clients and something that I was stuck in myself for a long part of my life is that I always thought that freedom was outside of me. I always thought that I, you know, I had to make a lot of money or build a business or do these external things to find validation. And as I got deeper into the men's work space and I got deeper into just finding freedom within, I realized that truthfully, freedom is an inside job. Mm. And the more I unpacked all the blocks that I had within me and got closer to my truth, got closer to my heart and got closer to alignment, everything else that I ever just wanted to experience came to me either way. So it was like, how can I find joy within myself first so that I can then create from that place and offer the world that joy so we could both win. Yeah, I love that. I, I wrote not too long ago about seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added. And mm-hmm. people chase the things first and they forget to seek the kingdom. Yeah. And that's exactly what you're just describing. You've learned to seek the things that matter first. And then everything else has a way of just sort of falling into place. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Yeah, and it takes away the, the resistance from it. Because also a big a big shift that I had for quite some time I've been trying to really work on and embody, right? Because there's a lot of things that I I listen to with podcasts. There's a lot of books that I read, there's a lot of videos that I watch, and there's all of this great information and I know all of these things, but am I actually doing anything with this knowledge? 
And what I realized for a long time is that I constantly wanted to be uh, in more joy. I constantly wanted to step more into leadership. I constantly wanted X, Y, and Z. And what I realized that me wanting was just showing the universe, God, Allah, Buddha, whoever you believe is that source, is that I actually don't have it. Mm. And it's a need that I'm trying to fill. So realizing that the fact that I always wanted something or I wanted these things was actually pushing it away. So understanding that for us to actually allow things to come to us, for us to receive what's already here for us, because we're all great, we're all destined for greatness, it's in our DNA, we have to embody the I am. And to me, that has been just such a massive shift is like, instead of wanting abundance, how can I feel abundance in my body already? so that I can be in alignment with the universe and everything just flows and comes through without resistance, if that makes yeah. sense. No, it makes total sense, but it just made me want to say out loud that if someone is listening to this and that feels like a riddle, <laughs> you really have to get out of your mind and even establish like a meditative practice, maybe even starting with something as small as like three minutes where you just practice sitting in silence and what I tell my clients is get below your mind. Just picture yourself mm -hmm. on an elevator descending into your heart and see if you can just sit there and set your timer for three minutes. And that just that little practice will start to get you to understand what you mean by lead with I am and to understand the truth of you have everything that you need. And it's more of an excavation than an acquisition. Yeah, beautifully said. That's right on. I think some people discount things they don't understand because it dings their ego. Mm. And just to take a pause and say what Voy just said is one of the most important things you will ever learn. And it's the real key to the kingdom. Beautifully said. Yeah. One thing that I'm curious about, just hearing a little bit about your transformation process and where you are now based on how you grew up, I noticed that you took a road trip with your father. Mm. How did that go? Wow. Yeah. So um, that was an amazing and life transforming trip. However, leading to that point, I have to be honest that I was excited. I was nervous. I was scared and all the things in between. Reason being is that as I got deeper into masculinity and men's work, I realized that a lot of the things that were essentially preventing me from my truth were a lot of the things I picked up from my father. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's not something that I'm blaming him for because he was a, an amazing man and still is. And I made so many great, learned so many great things from him. And there was also things that he got that he just didn't understand that he passed on to me. Yeah. And and one of the biggest things was essentially intimacy and communication. Me and my father never really had a session where we sat down and my dad like put his hand on my shoulder and spoke about safety and creating intimacy for me so I could express myself. I always went to my mother or I always mm -hmm. went to find that space in my friends. And because of that, growing up, I realized a lot of my friends had that and I didn't. And I built resentment towards him. So as I got deeper into the work, I realized that I needed to create that with myself first so that I could feel it and embody it. And then I could create that for my father so we could meet in the middle. Mm. And as I was going through this journey, 
I was scared. Honestly, I was scared because I'd never spent that much time with my dad. Growing up in Poland, every couple months he would go out to like Germany to work in a different country because we didn't have really money. So he had to go out of state to get money and come back. And he would leave sometimes for three to six months. And that was during like the developmental stages of my, of my life as a child. And he had to do what he had to do. But as a child, I didn't understand that. So I felt sometimes abandoned. I felt sometimes like there wasn't this trust, like there wasn't commitment to him being my dad. And of course he did it for all the right reasons because we needed to survive. Yeah. However, I had that resentment within. And I realized that the next piece for me on this journey that I was currently or am on was to build that space and allow myself to finally speak my truth and also hear his and understand where he's coming from and why he was the way he was and how I benefit from that and also found challenges in that or growth. Mm-hmm. Just to paint a picture real quick visually. Yeah. It took almost three years once I got into this kind of work for my dad to give me a hug. Wow. And if you could imagine like for, I would say at least 25 years of my life, anytime we would express any physical touch, it was just like a, a rough manly macho handshake. Yeah. And all I wanted was just a hug from my father. That's yeah. it. So as I was building that within myself and I was nurturing my own inner child, I was then able to slowly invite that and express that with my father. And as I got into that, after three years, he finally, it went from like the handshake to like the pat on the back to then a more and more intimate hug until we finally hugged it out. And that just in itself, just a hug was extremely healing for me. And in that moment, I knew that he was a missing piece to my growth. So I said, listen, I'm coming back to the U.S. I was living in Mexico and I knew he had a week off in December. And I was like, why don't we go out on a trip and we go travel all of California in a van, just you and me, so that I can't escape, so that he can't escape. And we're just stuck in a van with each other. Sometimes just sitting on days on end in silence, sometimes just talking about the surface level things, and sometimes really going below the surface and speaking our truth, whatever that looks like. And leading up to that, that's exactly what it was. I was looking for ways to back out. I was telling him maybe this isn't aligned with my schedule. I was telling him maybe California is in the spot. Maybe the van's not too big enough. Like all these different stories kept coming in because I was honestly just afraid. Yeah. I was afraid to see myself in him, and I was afraid just to be intimate. Wow. That story is just so beautiful. I seriously could just hit stop and go weep for a while because to me it's just so layered and so complex. And another thing I would like to just point out a few things for the men that might be listening. There is a verse in the Bible that says, Something like, we are his workmanship created for good works in Christ. And if you prefer to put spirit there, basically what it it to me is saying is we are created for healing and life and good works. And the way we get there is you have to get out of your mind and you have to control your mind and body so that you can live life and access that deeper consciousness, that spirit. 
And once you get there, you can do these amazing good works because what you did doesn't make sense to the mind. In the world that we live in now, we're victims and we blame people. But what you did in doing that and allowing that deeper consciousness to take over and overcome your fears, you not only healed your inner child, you healed his inner child. Mm-hmm. And that's the power of sacrificing your life for the greater good. And that's just such a beautiful example of that. Yeah, I appreciate you expressing that. And and funny enough, I remember when I actually asked him on the trip, he kind of just gave me a head knock. He's like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. But he never expressed how excited he was. And my mother had to come and call me and say, hey, listen, when you asked your father to go on this trip, he hasn't been this excited in years. Yeah. So the fact that, just like you mentioned, I was healing myself, allowed him to heal his own parts too. And that created just such an amazing bond and, and in- intimacy between us that was transformational. Yeah. And for everybody, for everybody listening, know that this is years of work to get to this point. It wasn't just like one day I want to just fix this with my dad and I'm going to call him up and book a trip. I put in almost three years prior to that so that I can get to this point because it was so difficult to do. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is deep uh, PhD level emotional work that that you were doing there because it's a risk, right? You take your, you're taking a risk because you're exposing your inner child to a person who may or may not be responsive. And the risk is that you're going to be hurt even further. Mm -hmm. But just like we were saying earlier, you become a good mother to yourself. You're also working to become a good father to yourself so that you can stand in that authority and tell your inner child, I've got this. I can handle this. Regardless of his response, I'm a man and I can handle it. So you can back off and I will take care of you. And that's the point you eventually get to that allows you to do these more difficult tasks. When your inner child trusts you, He's not continuing to look for and seek validation from your earthly father. He looks to you for that role. And that's when you can go next level and do some really, really difficult things. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to put it. It's as if like we have the wheel and we're driving Mm -hmm. and we take our inner child along for the journey. He's sitting with the shotgun and we put the seatbelt over him and say, listen, we got it. I got the wheel, but you're coming with me and I'm going to make sure that you're safe. Yeah. Just to add this one little piece, just to be a little bit vulnerable on this. Even though this journey was extremely transformational for me and I really pushed myself to the edge and I had some tough conversations, there was still one conversation that I honestly just couldn't get myself to have. And this was something that one of my mentors actually challenged me with. And what he essentially challenged me to do was to finally take the torch away from my dad and to tell him that, Everything that he's done in his life, maybe I didn't understand some things I did. However, now I am a man and it's my time to now carry the torch forward. It's my time to take our last name and bring reverence to it. And quite frankly, for some reason, everything worked out perfectly except this one piece. And still, I think just my inner child was just so afraid to express that to him that I couldn't get myself to do it. And that to me is the final piece Mm -hmm. of this actual trip, which I'm still on. So it's as if 
as if we physically came back from the trip, but my luggage is still packed and I'm still waiting to finally have that conversation with him so I could unpack everything and keep moving forward. I'm curious about what would the intention be? Is it just to take your life from him and establish yourself as a man? Or what do you think your coach was was getting at with that assignment? Yeah, I think the intention behind it was just to express to him that I'm okay. Okay. And then I can actually take care of myself now. Mm -hmm. And then I'm here for him from this moment on, as opposed to him continuously for trying to father me when he knows that I already separated myself from that role. Yeah. So that's what, to me, the intention was behind that. That can be true, in fact, but just hasn't been expressed in words yet. Yeah. So I definitely feel it, and I'm leading my mm -hmm. life this way. It's just for me, because once again, the voice and communication, which is such a big edge and still is, I feel like I need to express it verbally so that we both have that conversation and move on from there. Yeah. And that, you know, even if my voice shakes to express that truth. And I, I'm really glad that you brought that up because sometimes when we tell stories like this in a 30 minute podcast, it's almost like we're doing the Disney version of it and you hear the music and the credits roll. And then mm -hmm. we don't talk about, the emotional um, hangover that you get mm. after an experience like that. So even if that trip went well, as good as it could, you know, when you encounter something like that, you might have a lot of an emotional debris to process afterwards. And it's really important to get with your brothers or your, your men's coach, even if it was a success, it's like you stirred the pot and, you might not even understand why you're snapping at people or why you're feeling low. And it could be just the fallout from, from facing something that's been so emotional. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful way to put it. The support after these kind of experiences is something that's extremely needed. And to have a tribe that can support me in that, hold me in that, witness me in that, and create that safe space for me just to express all that has just been paramount. So I'm, I'm really glad you expressed that because that's that's absolutely true. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I appreciate the work that you're doing, encouraging men to, to be vulnerable to men, to express love and gratitude to men, to join with men in that brotherhood because that's where so much healing takes place. And for whatever reason in our society, in our culture, it almost seems taboo to some men to get that close to other men. Yeah. Once again, even just the physical aspect of it, that's something I had to work on for quite some time. And I remember when we had our first, I want to say it was first, but we had a, a men's circle, sort of like an event with Modern Renaissance Man, one of the organizations I'm a co-founder of. And in that space, it was amazing to witness how many men just couldn't get themselves to, let's say, give another man a massage without any intention of being sexual, without any intention of being X, Y, Z. It was just for the pure fact that like, hey, I know your back hurts. I want to support yeah. you right now. And I got you. And there's nothing behind it, just the pure fact that I'm supporting you in that process. And it's, it's real. And it's a challenge that we as men are currently going through because of the fact that we feel we might get judged for not being man enough or 
other men questioning our sexuality when in reality, all we want to do is express our love and just be intimate uh, from a place that nourishes both of our souls. I had an experience recently, which is on the opposite end of the spectrum, more of a interaction between a man and a woman. I was at a restaurant and just made eye contact with an older man as I was leaving. And he almost gasped and said, you have beautiful eyes. And the person I was with said, I can't believe he said that to you. And we kept walking. I told the man, thank you, and kept walking. And it hit me in that moment how much has been stolen from us. Mm. That a woman can't float in her femininity and be seen by another man and have a sincere, wow, compliment moment without it being some kind of dirty, sexualized thing. And what you're saying about men touching other men, we've had so much taken from us, that intimacy, and we're all kind of like these little satellites and so easily offended by things that shouldn't be offensive. It was just a sincere, honest moment that rose up in him and popped out of his mouth probably before he even had a chance to think about it. And I appreciated it. It was very sincere. I think we have to work to reclaim those things that have been taken from us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm curious when you were at the restaurant and walking out and this, this gentleman expressed that, what was your first response to that? And how did it feel in the body for you? I felt like an angelic queen because that's the energy he expressed to me. Right. I see you. Wow. You know, I had made an effort that night to look pretty. And for someone to notice that was, you know, I walk around in flip-flops and t-shirts 90% of the time. I mean, you know, just kind of blending yeah, yeah. in. But that particular night, I felt like a princess. And for him to go, oh, it was just such an authentic moment. And it felt beautiful to be seen in that way. He wasn't asking for anything from me. And I think that divine dance between the masculine and feminine is, it is akin to worship. When we see a flower or we see the sunset, or it's a moment where we pause and give glory, you know? And so to be able to do that for each other, like, oh, I saw what you did, or I, I heard what you said, and I appreciate it. And to be able to be vulnerable enough to express that is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And it takes, you know, obviously it takes an individual like yourself who has done just so much work to receive that also in a way that isn't, like you said, dirty or feeling some kind of way. Because you energetically just knew and understand from his expression how it landed, that it was just sincere. It's as if in that moment, you guys came together and you guys both won because he got to just witness your feminine beauty which nourishes the masculine. And in addition to that, he was able to express how that made him feel and in turn nourish you as well. Yeah, it was, it was a really sweet, sweet moment. I think I'm old enough to remember and that makes a difference. I think people, I mean, yeah, we had problems in the <laughs> 70s and 80s. Yeah, men took advantage of women more than they do now, but there was also this beautiful reverence for the feminine and femininity, and it was this ability to just share that. Women weren't afraid to to embrace their femininity and look beautiful, and men weren't afraid to express appreciation for that. And it didn't right. have to be your your partner. 
And I'm, I'm really hopeful that we can get back to that. And it's that mutual respect and doing that inner work and taking back some of the things that have been taken from us. Like we threw out the baby with the bathwater, you know, right. we did need to make some improvements and changes, but we didn't need to get rid of everything. Mm-hmm. We need to learn to dance again. Right. And I'm, I'm curious with regards to that, Angela, because you had this beautiful opportunity to experience the the 70s and that time where individuals were more expressive. What do you feel changed with regards to men expressing from that place to where it is now? Just to be real clear, I was a very, very, very young child in the 70s. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think that I just remember going to church and, you know, looking pretty in my dress and and having men say, wow, you look so pretty, you know, and not be weird, not be pedo. Mm -hmm. And now men are just so afraid to say or do anything. Again, there was a lot of bad stuff. I mean, we all have seen Mad Men episodes where where people are being taken advantage of and women are are objectified and things like that. So like I said, we threw out the baby with the bathwater. We tried to get rid of some of the the bad stuff, and we we lost some of the things that were beautiful. And I think what has happened is they're afraid to move, they're afraid to smile, they're afraid to laugh, they're afraid to look. And that's why men retreat to their bedroom and look at porn. Because right. if you talk to a woman wrong in a bar nowadays, you might get you know, in a lot of trouble. Even sincere, wow, you look beautiful. Wow, I love that dress, is enough to get you in trouble. I, I think they're just frozen. Men are frozen sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely resonate with that. It almost feels like there's a, there's these shackles on expression. Yeah. There's the shackle, these shackles on expression and so many people, not just men, but women and men both want to just express their truth. And it feels like all these different, whether it's through music, Hollywood, whatever the case is, this kind of conditioning that has been put upon us, bestowed upon us, creates almost these layers. Mm-hmm. And these layers prevent the heart from really shining through and expressing what's truly there without feeling like somebody's a pedo, without feeling like somebody's going to get in trouble, without feeling like it's coming off dirty. Yeah. What women long for is to be covered and this is going to maybe be a little controversial, but in the feminine realm, I feel like I am not for you. You are for me. Like every man is called to cover the women because every man can overpower me physically. And if we don't have that social contract where I I am for you, you don't have to be afraid. You did that for me before we started this episode, like here I am the host of the podcast and you realized before we got started that I was a little uptight or nervous or whatever. And without even asking for permission, you said, let's have a little grounding exercise. And you just took over and you led us in this beautiful breathing exercise so that we started the episode and I'm in the right place. And I appreciate that male leadership so much. And that's you standing in that masculine frame, seeing what the situation requires, and then going for it and not being afraid. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that so much. Yeah, that means a lot. Thank you. And I'm really, for some reason, I'm getting emotional right now just receiving that feedback. Just because the journey hasn't been easy. And to see that 
you know, it works. It really does work to go inward yeah. and look through the rubble and, and figure out some of the things that maybe aren't aligning with my truth and trying to understand and integrate it or just release it has played such a massive role. So to receive that feedback from you and to understand that it's just serving us both in that moment feels really good. And I'm just sitting with that feedback. So thank you. Yeah. I just feel myself getting uh, emotional. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I thank you. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that it's a risk for men to, to hold that masculine frame in a lot of situations. Now they're mm-hmm. afraid to, to do the thing that their discernment is telling them that is necessary because of the way we are culturally at this point. So, I mean, just for people listening, for somebody to discern that they're needed, their strong masculine presence is needed. And then to act on that, it's a, it's a, it's a really courageous thing and it's so appreciated. So I would say to my, my sons and to, to other men as well, don't be afraid to take little risk. It's very much appreciated, Mm. not by everyone, but, but don't, don't let the, the people that haven't reached that point of healing, yuck, you're yum, so to speak. Like there are some women that are really wounded and some women that are really indoctrinated or some women that are really opposed to masculinity. Don't let that steal it for everybody else. You'll find people, tribe members that appreciate it so much and actually glean life from that expression. Yeah, beautifully put. And I definitely resonate with that little explanation that you just gave. Um, Because for me, quite frankly, there was a lot of moments in my life where I can remember that I wanted to express more of my masculine leadership. I wanted to create safety. I wanted to create trust. And because the person on the other end that was receiving it was coming from a wounded place, they projected onto me as if I was trying to control or dominate the situation. Right. And that made me feel like, oh, Maybe this isn't something I should do. Maybe I am actually wrong for trying to create this space for safety. Perhaps I should just retreat. Mm -hmm. It goes back to you allowing yourself to be the boss of your mind and be the boss of your body and get Mm -hmm. centered in that deeper level of consciousness. And that's where discernment is possible. And what discernment literally means is to separate. So I can separate things out and see them individually. And I'm going to make a good decision based on what's best for me, the person I'm interacting with, my little parts, my little boy part, my control freak part. And I'm going to be the leader in this situation. And if it's not received, that's not on you, but you did what you thought was the right thing to do. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Beautifully said. And I believe the the inner work that we do creates those little milliseconds for us to really separate in that moment, even if it's just for one second to just take a breath and ask ourselves, is this actually aligning with our truth or is this something that's just not ours? And it's funny because I just in meditation recently, I came to the conclusion that I am a polite control freak. So it's not that I'm not a control (laughs) freak, but I, I do it in such a polite way. I try to get my way with my kids, especially And so, yeah, it is possible that you're just being controlling, but on the other side of it, taking that moment to reflect and saying, is this what the situation calls for? Is this just my inner control freak trying to take over? You know, I think that little buffer will give you 
give you direction and so you'll know the right way to go. Yeah, beautifully said. Well, boy, I appreciate this very real conversation. Like I said, I didn't really expect to to go that deep, but to hold the space with someone and be able to have a conversation like that is is a real joy. Yeah, likewise, Angela. I didn't have any specific topic of conversation that I wanted to really express here. I just put myself in a position and set an intention to just go with the flow. Funny enough, we just went with the flow and it got Yeah, we totally to did. Got, yeah. Yeah, and it and it, it feels good. It feels aligned. And I appreciate you just creating such an awesome container and allowing for this conversation to flourish because it's it's needed and it's appreciated and it's healing in itself as well. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining. And before we leave, can you tell people how they can contact you if they're interested in, in learning more about your work? Yeah, absolutely. So for any individual that wants to just connect with me, have a conversation, or just learn more about my work, I'm a men's embodiment and personal freedom coach, and they could find me on Instagram. That's pretty much the platform I like to use the most. And they could find me at V-O-Y underscore official, Y underscore official. And any questions you have, if you want to just jam, connect, vibe, collab, whatever the case is, let me know. I'm an open book. Well, thank you so much, Foy, and I hope we can talk again soon. Yeah, likewise, Angela. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Appreciate you dearly. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.